Welcome to High Performance Mindset with Dr. Sindra Kampoff. Do you want to reach your full potential, live a life of passion, go after your dreams? Each week, we bring you strategies and interviews to help you ignite your mindset. Let's bring on Sindra. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Sindra Kampoff. And thank you so much for joining me here today. I am a speaker, author, and mental performance consultant. And today I interview a fellow mental performance consultant that I'm really excited to introduce you to. Her name is Hannah Huseman. And if you know that mindset is essential to your success, then this is the podcast for you. So make sure you subscribe. You can head over to iTunes or Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening to this and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Today's episode is 277 with Hannah Huseman. So Hannah Huseman is a mental skills coach with the Philadelphia Phillies. She's also a certified mental performance consultant with the Association for Applied Sports Psychology. And before joining the Phillies, she was a mental performance coach with Sports Straka, a New York-based firm focusing on teaching skills and techniques proven to increase characteristics of peak mental performance. So Hannah received her master's degree in sports ecology and motor learning from the University of Tennessee. She also played Division I softball and basketball at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, which we talk about in this interview. And she has a series on Instagram and she also posts on LinkedIn called Mental Sweat Mondays. I love her posts and before interviewing her, I binge watched on many of them. So I'd head over to Instagram and check her out at Hannah Huseman. Now in this podcast, Hannah and I talk about various things related to mental performance and the mental game. We talk about how she developed her own confidence and how she works to continue to develop that, particularly because she is a female working in professional baseball. And so we talk a little bit about that. She describes why confidence is really up to you, how mental skills need to be practiced proactively, not reactively, what it means to focus on the right thing at the right time, And she also talks about how self-awareness is the foundational mental skill. I know you're going to enjoy today's episode. If you enjoyed this, screenshot it wherever you're listening and post it anywhere you'd like on social media like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and we'll make sure we interact with you and give you some love there. And to find the full show notes and description, you can head over to syndracampoff.com slash Hannah. Let's go. Here's Hannah. Welcome to the podcast today, Hannah Huseman. Thank you so much for being on here today, Hannah. Yeah, Sindra, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm really excited too. I have been following you on Instagram and love your Mental Sweat Mondays and uh, the videos that you post on there. So that's one thing that we're going to talk a little bit about. Awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. Before we do, I just want to want you to give the listeners a little bit of background in terms of your passion and what you do right now. Yeah, so originally born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, and then loved sports and have played sports my whole life. And so that's definitely something that I wanted to hold on to and actually went and played softball in college at the University of Tennessee in Chattanooga. And from there, you know, had all kinds of trials and tribulations and goods and bads and highs and lows and ended up taking a sports psychology class my senior year and was like, what the heck is this? And why have I never heard of this? In trying to find my career path and what I was going to do after school, you know, I knew I wanted to stay somehow involved in sport and in athletics. And I thought I was going to be a strength trainer. I thought I was going to be a coach. And 
little did I know I was going to be a coach, but on the other side of things, on the mental side of things. And so I took a class and loved it and did a lot of research and found a grad school program and ended up going to the University of Tennessee um, where I got my master's. And then from there, did a few internships and had a, the, my second internship was with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I actually worked with that baseball team right out of, I got out of grad school and then went to New York and worked for a private practice for about a year and a half. And I am just now wrapping up my second season with the Philadelphia Phillies as a mental skills coach for them. Yeah, that's great. And why did you choose baseball? Like, was there anything specific, you know, just right away from you know, getting out of grad school and doing your internship with the Pirates? Anything specific about baseball that made you excited about it? Um, I don't think so. I was really keeping my eyes open, you know, and opportunities open of whatever the best opportunity was. And I did, I did an internship with a golf academy, which was amazing. And I had never even played golf. So it was both challenging mentally and physically to learn the sport while teaching these athletes how to be mentally prepared for it. But baseball is one of the professional sports that is really, really latching on to the mental game um, and really becoming accepting of it. And I think one of the leaders of opportunities in it. And so I think it was just an opportunity that was available for an internship there. And to be totally honest, like I did not think I was equipped to go do it. And I heard other people were applying and I was like, you know what? Um, what the heck, why not? Um, and then it led to a few interviews and then it just was the a best fit. And I went to the private practice and worked with a lot of different performers and loved it and got experience working with firefighters and surgeons and VPs of companies and sales and from, you know, middle school athletes to professional athletes. And I just really, it's really cool to be a part of a team um, and, and a part of an organization bigger than you. And so I was like, you know, I really want to try to get back into that team atmosphere. And that's when I I did a few interviews and got the call with the Phillies and it's been awesome ever since. It's, it's just, it's really neat when you get to walk that journey with people instead of just kind of sporadic meetings, but when you get to talk to them and see them and then see their progress and, and daily conversations, it just creates a lot of rapport and, and just that camaraderie of the team and bigger than me and bigger than this. And it's really cool. And it's, it's makes the true passion really fire and light up for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I can hear the passion in your voice. (laughs) That's wonderful. You know, I think, Hannah, especially maybe right when we're getting out of graduate school, you know, I think some people might not have the confidence to go work with uh, pro athletes, you know, just because of the age. So how did you kind of overcome that barrier? And maybe that's still a barrier that, you know, you might still have to overcome now. Yeah, that's such a good question. And I think it definitely comes down to your personality. Uh, I have people ask me a lot, like, what do I need to do to be in baseball and, and females too. And I'm like, you know, the two biggest pieces of advice that I got um, about why I got the job that I did was one, your confidence. You know, you can't, if we're teaching confidence and if you don't have confidence, it's like this whole hypocrisy that's happening. And so it's like, you got to go in with confidence and knowing that you are going to be able to figure it out you're going to belong like you can belong here like you do fit and not doubt that for a second and and that's harder a lot easier said than done um but i would say confidence and then like you said enthusiasm i think if you come to your job every single morning with a smile on your face and pumped to be here like there's nowhere else better to be right now like you're gonna fit in and and they want you to be passionate because the guys here you know this is their whole life it's their career and they're putting everything else on life on hold for this and for for their career and and they want to know that you're there to help them and that you're just as dedicated as they are and and as competitive as they are and as confident as they want to be and and all that so i think confidence and enthusiasm are two really big pieces 
to what got me here. And I also think like having a voice too. I think it's, I think it's something that goes overlooked, especially, you know, as females, but like, I, I, I don't believe like a shy, super shy, super quiet. I think it would be really challenging to make it in this world just because everything's so loud and, and boisterous and like constantly going and, and you will just like get run over in here. And so it's like kind of having to stand up for things that maybe you didn't know you had to stand up for or, or wearing guys uniforms, you know, like we were like dry fit shirts and basketball shorts and like being okay with it and like going with the flow is also a big one too. But it was definitely intimidating and there still are intimidating moments working with all guys and, and being around guys constantly, but you really get used to it. And I think it's also looking yourself in the mirror and knowing that this isn't my world, like this is their world and you're coming into their world. So how can I acclimate to that world to a certain extent? You know, how can I, how can I fit in when I know I'm standing out constantly um, just by having long hair, you know, and it's just, how can you fit in and, and get on their level and be in their world, but still bring your level of expertise and not, you know, get rid of anything that you could potentially be bringing to the table. Yeah, that's really good. I think the belief that, you know, you do fit in and you will fit in is really important because I think if you're, and I know this working with the Vikings for the last four years and, you know, working with a lot of high school football teams, college football teams, NFL teams, you know, like if you're constantly figuring out or noticing the ways that you stand out, like, I don't think that's really helpful either to fit in, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're looking at differences instead of similarities. Yes. Yeah. So Hannah, what would be, you know, maybe your uh, top two tips on just like, how did you cultivate that confidence? And I know this is something that we teach athletes, right? And performers is like confidence, but you know, we, we also have to practice it ourselves. So what, what's allowed you to be confident in your skills and your knowledge? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. Um, I think, you know, a lot of it is literally coming from self-talk. Like I will absolutely look myself in the mirror and be like, you can freaking do this. Like you deserve to be here. Like you didn't get this from luck. You didn't get this because so-and-so made a call. I didn't know anybody at my first internship. People were like, who did you know? What did you, I didn't know anybody. Like I literally sent in my resume and was hoping and praying that something would happen, you know? And, and so I think self-talk is a huge piece for me, especially because there are definitely times of doubt, honestly, on a daily basis of, of am I good enough? What would I do? How do you do this? And, and I think it's constantly reassuring myself that you belong here and that you absolutely can do this. And I think another thing that feeds that is being a female because it's not normal. It's not expected. And I remember the first time I ever asked for a raise, I was freaking out, you know, it wasn't here. It was like one of my first jobs. It wasn't here. And I was like, I can't do this. I'm so scared. And I actually Googled, how do you ask for a raise? And the first article that popped up was the most common person to not ask for a raise is blank. And so I was like, oh, that's weird. And I clicked on it and it was literally young female professionals, Mm -hmm. which is what I was. And I was like, absolutely not. Like that, like lit the fire under me to no, you're going for this. Like you absolutely deserve this. You work your tail off. Um, So I think that's a really important part. It's just self-talk and constantly reminding yourself. And I think I say all the time is, you have to be your biggest critic, but you also have to be your biggest fan. And that's taken a lot of practice for me, for sure, is making sure that when I do a good job, I'm able to pat myself on the back. And I'm telling players that constantly, like, we always have these high expectations. And when we reach them, we're like, good. And it's like, no, like, you actually have to reward yourself and, and pat yourself on the back and, and notice when you do something well. So that's the first thing I would say. 
um, of how I cultivate confidence. I like what you said about um, in terms of just like even doubting yourself on a daily basis. And you know, I've been in the field for goodness, I don't know, it might be 20 years now. It seems like a long time, you know, like how can I be that old? But you know, there are times mm -hmm. where I'm like, you know, I, I hear that that negative Nelly or the, you know, the inner critic or our gremlin or whatever we want to call it. And I really have to talk back to myself too. So it's it's great to hear, you know, that that's normal and natural. And for everyone's listening, you know, I think it's, it's just how you respond and how do you talk to yourself after those moments of doubt? Absolutely. And I'm trying to think, you know, a second part, which I was kind of going to talk about later, but when I played softball, I, I had a lot of confidence in high school. And when I went to college, all that confidence kind of went away because it was, you know, everybody was really good. And I wasn't all of a sudden the best player on the team and I lost that for a while. And I remember constantly trying to seek that confidence from other people. Yeah. And I could never find it, but I didn't know then that that's what I was doing. And now, you know, going back to school and researching all this and learning this is that it's very easy and obvious for me to see that my entire college career, I was searching for those confidence boosts from other people. And the whole time it had to be me. And it had to come from within. It had to be myself. And it wasn't in college. And that was one of the hardest things I ever had to learn. And I didn't learn it till I left. And so now, like, that's definitely a big message that I'm constantly talking to athletes, especially college, high school, even professional athletes is like, you are going to look down that third baseline. You're going to look over at the bench. You're going to look at your mom. You're going to look at your coach. And you're going to hope to see that confidence in you. And sometimes you're not going to see it. And you got to be prepared for that. And you have to know. How do I find this within myself? What do I need to say to myself? Like you were talking about self-talk. What do I need to do? What actions do I need to take to create that confidence in myself without needing anybody else to, to feel the way I want to feel or to perform the way I want to perform? So I think that's another thing that really drives my confidence is that it's not coming from anybody else. So if I'm not confident in myself, no shot anybody else is going to be. And so it's that daily reminder of you create your own confidence for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I wrote in my notes as we're talking like confidence is up to us, right? And it's really our responsibility. I think that's powerful. And I'm also hearing, you know, some similarities in our stories. I think one of the reasons I got interested in performance psychology work is like my own experience as a college athlete. <laughs> I wasn't very mentally tough and definitely uh, was looking at my coach for confidence or my teammates for confidence. Didn't necessarily realize that it was up to me, kind of like what you're saying. And I think my performance decreased because of that and, you know, definitely have some regrets, but I've seen that those have really helped me and kind of yeah. what for that is like, I think about like these difficult moments happening for us, not to us, right? Like they're there to teach us something. For me, it led me to this career, which it sounds like perhaps it led you to the career too. Your, your own struggles led you to for sure be passionate about what you do. Absolutely. I, I kind of laugh and like, most of what the guys or, or athletes or performers go through, like I've either gone through it or one of my best friends has gone through it and I've walked them through that. And so I absolutely don't think without those experiences that I would be a mental skills coach whatsoever. Yeah, that's great to know. You know, and I think that's helpful for people who are listening that, you know, these difficulties you can frame into opportunities. And, you know, there's, there's a reason why you're struggling with that because it's maybe going to lead you to pursuing something in the future. So Hannah, talk about struggles. <laughs> so I ask everybody to share with us a time that you failed and what you learned from it as a way for us to learn something from a difficulty you had, 
but then also for us to kind of see what the opportunities are. So could you take us back to a time that didn't go so great for you and what you learned from it? Yeah, for sure. So funny story, I actually went to college to play basketball and it was at the same college. It was the University of Tennessee Chattanooga in my freshman year. I actually went and played basketball for that coach. I was recruited. I played both basketball and softball very heavily, um, AAU and travel softball growing up. And, and I really could never make up my mind um, of what I wanted to do. And I always knew softball was definitely where my heart was, but basketball was a super challenging sport for me. And I just really felt passionate about chasing that challenge and going for it. And so I went for it and I played my freshman year. I played basketball and To chalk that whole year up as a failure, I think is a little harsh, but there was a lot of aspects of that that I failed in. And whether it was, you know, actual performance and the outcomes and all of those things, or whether it was relationships with coaches or whatever it was, um, I definitely failed big time and like truly felt like I was at rock bottom, didn't know what I was going to do. Was I going to keep playing? Was I going to transfer and play somewhere else? Was I going to stay at that school and not play anything? Was I going to transfer and play softball? Um, and trying to figure that out and obviously ended up deciding to stay at the same school and play softball. But before that happened and, and even after that happened and still to this day, like I view that as a part of me that failed. And I always, my mom is so amazing. She has her master's in psychology also, um, not sports psychology, but just clinical psychology. And she's always like, well, what comes out of it? You know, what did you get out of that? And so I think about it a lot and I truly believe that some of the things I got out of this have literally shaped me and molded me to the female that I am today. You know, it, it forced me to have hard conversations. It forced me to decide on my career early in life when maybe I wasn't ready to make that decision. It forced me to look myself in the mirror and have an accountability mirror and really hold myself accountable when I was like 18, 19 years old and didn't know, I thought the world was ending and really trying to force me to see all the negatives and I it really took a lot of challenge to find the good and the positive and for a while it wasn't you know for a while I couldn't see it but looking back now it's like no better decision was made like the fact that I stayed there the fact that I could still play softball there and the coach was open and willing to let me come play on the team and that I do still you know that basketball failure quote-unquote is still in my head like almost every day but the adversity that I had to go through without a doubt like created my personality and and who I am and you know, you're in college and it was my freshman year. And so mom and dad aren't there. And it's the first time you really got to stick up for yourself and and say things that may be hard or have conversations that are difficult. And, but you do those and it just shapes you for life. And it without a doubt has shaped me who I am. And that's probably where a lot of my confidence and my boldness comes from. Uh, And also my realness, just because I don't believe in, you know, just sunshines and rainbows all the time or being super negative all the time. I believe in realism um, with an optimistic cherry on top. It's kind of how I call it. You know, we're, we're going to look at the situation as it is and we're going to try to find some positive from it. And we're going to try to spin this and, and have that objective optimism viewpoint of whatever it is going on. But it was super hard. And during it, I did not think I was going to come out alive. Like it was awful tears, sadness, all of that good stuff. And it did. And it without a doubt has made me stronger than probably I ever would have been had I just gone to a school and played softball for years and had a breeze of an experience. It wasn't like that at all. And then it kind of, you know, put me behind the eight ball for softball. Now you've been playing basketball for a year and you've been out of the sport. So it took me a while to get back into the swing of softball, literally and figuratively. And so it was, it was such a challenge and I hate to view it as a failure, but you know, it kind of was. 
So, but that's, that's my failure story. But I, without a doubt, believe that it's, it has 100% made me a large part of who I am today. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like it was a really like critical moment in your life where you could have just kind of stuck with, you know, the, the, you know, how you were recruited, but you're really like found things inside you. And I like what you said is like it shaped your personality. So wow, talk about a critical moment that has allowed you to really thrive now, right? It's difficult in the moment, but there's always a way that we can find the silver lining, right? Or the cherry on top. It's For not sure. always easy, but it's the way that we really frame it and our mindset related yeah. to our, our difficulties. How are you define it? For sure. And it was so hard to see it then, you know, but it, it's so easy to look back and be like, oh yeah, it was great. You know, but in that moment, it was extremely, extremely difficult for sure. For sure. So Hannah, tell us a little bit about um, your mental sweat Mondays and when did you start those and how long have you been doing them? Yes. So mental sweat Monday is a one minute video. Um, I posted on LinkedIn and Instagram and I actually started it the first Monday of this year. Um, I actually started it in January because I really wanted to try and do something different on social media and really try to let people in on a little bit of what I do on a daily basis. And so it's every Monday, it's a one minute video and it's like different tips and tricks and and tools and things that you could use and need for your mental skills. And, you know, we named it mental sweat Monday because the best way to describe it is to compare it to physical strength. And every day, you know, we hear we should be working out physically. We should be doing yoga. We should be walking. We should be doing all this, breaking a physical sweat every day. We know it's good, but what sometimes gets neglected and most of the time gets neglected is the mental sweating and the mental health and checking in on your mental skills and your mental game. And so it's almost just to kind of serve as a reminder to, you probably got that physical sweat in, but did you mentally sweat today? Did you, did you check in internally on, on how your head's doing and how your heart is doing? And I just got really passionate about it. And so we started and my husband helped me come up with a name. That's why I keep saying we. Um, but, <laughs> I love it. Um, but uh, came up with it and just been running with it. And it's, it's definitely been challenging, but we've gotten some awesome feedback just impacting, you know, everyone from, from professional athletes to 10 year old athletes to not even athletes to moms. That's probably been one of the coolest feedbacks I've gotten is, um, I have a lot of young moms, you know, in my age group, they have new babies and they're like, this applies to moms too. And I'm like, I love that. Like keep using it. And so it's, it's just been really cool to, cause that's a big part. And what I think life is like life is mental skills. Like if you're alive and you are breathing, you're performing, you are performing in relationships, you're performing at your job, you're performing, being a mom, being a sister, being a daughter, whatever it is, like you are performing. And which means you need to be checking in on your mental skills too, and not just your physical self. And, and I think it's cool that the mental side of things is really starting to become a lot more talked about on social media. And I, I think the latest little meme I've seen going around is like, you can be physically healthy, you can be physically fit, and la la la, all these things. But if you're not mentally healthy, it doesn't matter. I think that's so cool and, and so true. So it's just to serve as a reminder and maybe even give you a few little tips to try and, and see what works best for you. Because just like physical workouts, not everything's going to be for you, but hopefully you can find one thing that you're like, wow, yes, I need this. I want this. I want to do it every day and, and go for it. Love it. Well, I follow Hannah on Instagram, so it's Hannah Huseman. Are you Hannah Huseman on LinkedIn too for people who want to go and check it out and follow you? Yep, that same thing. Okay, good. And so I was telling Hannah before we hit record that 
I like binge watched on like six of her videos again this morning. <laughs> I've been following along and I think it's uh, really fun to see you do that. And you did yeah. say something to me at the beginning that it's a, a little bit out of your comfort zone or you really haven't have courage to do it. So tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe even how you prepare for it or even though it feels uncomfortable, you know, where does your inspiration come in terms of why do you keep posting? Yeah, absolutely. So at the very beginning, I like made an announcement that I was going to do this for a whole year on every Monday. And so I'm like, really trying hard to stick to it. And some yeah. days like a breeze and like, there's been a couple days where I filmed like two or three. And then there's days like today where I haven't filmed it yet, you know, and so it's, it's, it's making sure you are still staying true to that. And I think I think the inspiration comes from wanting to be real. And again, like that realism is really, really, really important to me. And that it's, it's like, sometimes it's situations that I'm going through. It's, you know, training for a half marathon right now and, and something that has challenged me and could potentially challenge you. So my inspiration comes from like daily things that I hear or see, or maybe a quote on Facebook reminds me of like, Oh yes, that's normal. Let's talk about this. Like, let's make a point to review this on mental sweat Monday and, and bring attention to this instead of, you know, just quotes and, and which all of these social media is filled with quotes nowadays, which there's nothing wrong with quotes. Um, but wanting to give people a different way to tune in, you know, and, and, and not just read long quotes or read a lot, just tune in one minute, watch this little video. It's they're short, sweet, and pretty to the point, you know, they're not very in depth because you can't go a lot in depth for a minute, which I think challenges me too. Um, but it, it's definitely been awkward and weird at first because it's hard to sit in front of a camera. You got to like, first of all, make sure you don't look like you just rolled out of bed. Um, and, and then it takes a few tries. And so like my process is coming up with an idea, which like I said, is pretty organically comes to mind. Like whether it's a conversation I have with somebody or I see something online and I'm like, this is my inspo or it's a personal thing that I'm going through. Um, and then I write down a lot of ideas and then I write out a script and I practice the script a million and a half times. And then I take a deep breath and then I start recording and don't worry, there are plenty of outtakes that I'm probably going to do at the end of the year and just put a whole thing together on um, bloopers of the mental sweat Mondays. But, and then it takes, you know, sometimes it takes three or four tries. Sometimes it takes 15 to 20 times. And it's just a matter of, of really making it all flow smoothly. Cause I don't stop it and edit it. I just try to flow straight through because I really want it to be, be more of a conversation versus this like too scripted out thing. I really want it to, to feel authentic because it is authentic. And, and the, and the ideas do come from real people and, and real experiences, real life experiences. So it's been fun. It's definitely been challenging and we're almost to the end. So always looking for more ideas on what to talk about on Mental Sweat Monday. I love that you're talking about how it's not easy, right? And sometimes we can see these polished versions of whatever people are posting and think, wow, that, that was really good. You know, maybe assume it just took you a minute to think of, think of the message and then uh, deliver it. <laughs> yeah, not even close. <laughs> it takes a lot of work for sure. So one question I have, so I have a few questions about some of the content that you've posted there. And I think this yeah. would be great for people who are listening. So uh, tell us what you mean by mental skills can be best practiced proactively, not reactively. Can you give us an example? Yeah. So the best way I like to talk about that is think about the dentist, right? Like way back when nobody went to the dentist until their teeth were falling out. And then somebody was like, hey, maybe we should go before our teeth fall out. That way they won't fall out. And so now we have to go to the dentist twice or every year, right? It's the same with mental skills. It's like, 
why wait until all the you know what's hitting the fan why wait until we're in the lowest point why not practice it beforehand and and to me if you can do that again just like physical skills what we're trying to do with mental skills is equip you and give you the skills that you need so when you hit a certain situation or rock bottom or whatever it is you know how to handle it instead of something bad happens or throws you off your routine or who knows what and you just downward spiral instead of being like okay I knew I was prepared for this. Let me reach into my little toolbox and pick something out and use this and see if that'll work for this. Like we want to make sure we're actively giving you things before anything could happen instead of reacting because we know that typically reactions are negative and harsh on ourselves and too critical, especially in the heat of the moment. And so it's like, what if we could practice a response to whatever that is, whatever's happening. And, and obviously we can't predict everything that's going to happen but we can get pretty close and we can, we can equip you with enough skills that no matter what you're faced with, you've got something you can pull out of and practice instead of just letting it, you know, letting one bad at bat affect the entire game or one bad game affect the entire month or one bad month affect the entire season. You know, that's what we're constantly trying to do is, is shorten that amount of quote unquote struggle or, or downward spiral. So it's, it's being equipped before anything even happens. Is, is the proactive versus reactive. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Can you give us an example of a mental skill that, you know, when you think about your work there with the Phillies or just with other pro athletes or high level athletes, is there a specific mental skill that, you know, you find that if athletes really practice more proactively, it makes a big difference? Ooh, I love that question. I would have to say the answer to that is either breathing, like proper breathing techniques or visualization. And I think, I think visualization because obviously we're trying to put people in situations before they get there. And if we can get those same neurons firing in your brain as if you've actually already physically been there, then when you're there, your heart rate, you're able to control your heart rate and able to control your breathing a little bit more than maybe if you've never been there before. Um, and then breathing also because it's very common to hear, just relax, take a deep breath. But like, what does that actually mean? And how do you actually do it? Um, I think is the most important part. And so it's like really teaching, teaching everybody to why, why are you taking this breath? And how do you actually do it? What's the proper form? Because just by taking a breath with no meaning behind it, you know, that doesn't do anything. So I think breathing and visualization are the best for working on proactively instead of reactively. Love it. Awesome. And I know, you know, several of your posts have been about like awareness and self-awareness. So one of the things that you said was like, you can't grow if you don't know, everything starts with awareness. So tell us why like self-awareness is really essential to, at least in your opinion, and to practicing mental skills and being mentally strong. I love that you asked that because awareness is my foundation. You know, oh, people cool. ask like, what is your philosophy? What do you teach? And I'm like a hundred percent awareness because exactly what you just said. If you do not know what's going on upstairs, there's no way you can change it. So, you know, if, if, if you give an awesome presentation or, or a speech or a, you have a really good game or performance and I'm like, Hey, how'd it go? What were you thinking? And you're like, I don't know. Like, we, how are we going to replicate that? How are, or, or the, the reverse, right? When things aren't going well, well, what happened? I don't know. We have to become aware of what's going on upstairs so that we can, you know, utilize the good and try to replicate that and then take out and delegate the bad. And, and I think that's so important. And 
obviously I can't jump inside your brain. You have to be able to tell me what's going on so we can talk about it and try to figure out what's going on. But if it, a lot of guys, you get in the heat of the moment, you know, and you're just like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. And it's like, I'm trying really hard to remember. And so I think that again, goes back to the proactive. If you're just being reactive and not noticing what your thoughts are, then you're not going to know. But if you know, going into it, I really want to focus on what I'm thinking about in this moment. And then when I pitch it well, or when I hit it well, or when I perform well, or whatever it is, why did I do that? Why, how did that happen? How did I create that? Not only physically, right, where you can go back and watch film, but also mentally, like those two things go hand in hand. So I firmly believe without awareness, you're really not going to be able to practice any other mental skills. I mean, you think about even goal setting, you've got to know where you are before you know where you want to go. It doesn't matter where you want to go if you don't know where you are right now. It's the, the, the old analogy of you walk into a mall and you walk up to the mall map, you know, and the first thing you look for is what, you know, where are you? And that's the number one, where are you in life? Where are you physically? Where are you mentally? And then you can start talking about where you want to be or what you want to do and how you're going to get there. But step number one is always, where are you right now? Nice. Good. I love it. And I think about so much of my work is kind of similar in terms of helping athletes understand themselves a little more and what leads to their best and what doesn't. I find especially young athletes would respond with like, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I can't remember my last performance, you know? So love that, you know, when people ask you, it's like that you see awareness is the foundation. Absolutely. So Hannah, one of the things that you talked about was like what mental toughness is to you. So tell us what mental toughness means to you and how have you defined it? So this is something I've worked on for a while because I've heard so many different opinions on what mental toughness actually is. And they all kind of come down to similar things, you know, persevering, doing that, doing this. But I think my definition of mental toughness is focusing on the right thing at the right time. It sounds super simple and super easy, but it's not, you know, it's think of the heat of the moment. You're in the heat of the moment and, and the game speeds up on you or whatever. Are you able to still focus on what you know you need to be focusing on? And this goes for both when you're performing really well and you're like, okay, everything's going well. I'm feeling really good. Are you still able to focus and lock in on what you need to be focused on? Or when things aren't going well and you're, and you're struggling and you're trying to search for anything and grab any straws, are you still able to be like, you know what, things aren't going well, but I'm going to stick to my plan. I'm going to keep focusing on what I know I need to do and what I know I need to focus on instead of maybe even trying too hard or doing too much or, or not enough. You know, it's, I truly believe the most mentally tough people are able to focus on what they're supposed to focus on, which is typically a plan that you've put in place before you even started performing when they're supposed to focus on it. And like I said, like most mental skills, pretty simple concepts, but pretty difficult to do, especially under pressure and and when game's on the line or heart's racing and you can't even catch your own breath and not even aware of your own thoughts. But it's, it's really being able to lock in on what you know you need to be focusing on in that moment. Absolutely. And I also think about how it's like, you know, to me, it's like mental skills is a practice. It's not something that you're born with. We have Absolutely. to practice it every day, you know, and even yeah. if you're mentally tough one day, I have to practice it every day. So I like that it's, you know, it's simple. And I think of all the research that's done on mental toughness and the definitions are probably more complicated than simple. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think about that one article written by uh, Graham Jones and it's like, uh, mental toughness is, 
And then they list all these things, right? Like being confident under pressure and perform, outperforming your opponent, being more determined and, and we can keep on going on and on. Uh, but let's apply like your definition to sport and then kind of like everyday life, just so people can like really understand what you're saying. So focusing on the right thing at the right time, what would be an example in baseball? So an example in baseball would be, let's say a pitcher is pitching and all of a sudden he gives up a home run. Okay. And naturally you freak out, you're mad, you're upset, you react, you do all these things. And then you get back on the mound and maybe all of a sudden your focus is like, well, now I have to get this guy out or I can't let anybody else score or I can't let the team lose or whatever those natural thoughts are. When reality, his focus should still be on his same plan before that guy hit the home run, right? It should still be on pitch execution or external focus or location or whatever it is that his plan is. Um, and, and that's really hard, especially when you just got rocked right off of a pitch. And so it's being able to be like, okay, I know my brain is automatically focusing on that home run and I'm mad and I'm upset about it, but I also am going to take a deep breath. I'm going to gain control of my thoughts and I'm going to focus on this one thing that I know I'm supposed to be focusing on. That's my baseball example. That good. How do you have one in life or, you know, in your job or kind of outside of baseball? Yeah. So let me think, I think like outside of baseball, mentally tough, I think it's just, I mean, obviously the same thing. So it's, let's say you're presenting for a job or you have an interview or something happens and, and right before the interview or right before the presentation or, or right before the speech or, or scary conversation that you're about to have, you kind of freak out. Right. And, and you've done all your preparation. You've thought about it. You've written everything out but then two minutes before you're absolutely freaking out. Right. And, and your, your, your stomach's hurting all of this and you just don't know what to do. You're freaking out. You're yelling, you're, you're sweating, your, your heart's racing and all this stuff. And, and I think the mentally tough person in that moment can say, right. Starts with awareness. Okay. I'm aware that all this is going on and that this is an intimidating meeting or presentation or public speaking event or whatever it is. But I know the one thing I need to focus on is X, Y, and Z, right. Whatever my goal is that I need to make eye contact or, get my main point across or just believe in myself or that confidence level, whatever that reminder is, which you kind of, you, you need to figure that out before you go do it. Um, but you're reminding yourself that that is the one thing you need to be focusing on right now. It's not fear of failing. It's not fear of messing up or whatever could potentially be popping into our brains because we know when, when everything's going crazy and we're excited and nervous and all that, some, we potentially have the time and those worth worst thoughts come in, you know, the worst thoughts you can think of come into your head and, and it's being able to, you know, lock it in and being like, okay, this is what I have to focus on. This is what I know I have to focus on. And I think another cool way to describe it is, uh, it's like you're driving over a bridge, yeah. right. With a lot of water underneath it, right. A big bridge, like in Florida or something. And, and the natural thoughts that could pop into your head are, you know, I don't want to drive off it or what would happen if this collapsed, right. This just naturally pop into your head. And then you're like, okay, wait, let me actually focus on what I need to be focusing on. And that's that if this bridge was unsturdy, we probably wouldn't be on it or whoever built this bridge was probably a genius and, and a great engineer. And so I think we're fine. And I just need to focus on driving and staying in my lane and being alert instead of focusing on all of the other crazy things that could potentially be coming into my head. Yeah, I like it. Well, and I was thinking, Hannah, the example that we talked about of being like a female in uh, male pro sport, right? Like you could be focusing on how you don't fit and how you're different, or you could be focusing on how you do fit and, and kind of what you're saying about your self-talk of, I belong here and I deserve to be here and I've worked really hard to be here. All those really 
empowering thoughts. And I yeah. think that's an example of focusing on the right thing at the right time. It's allowing, allowing those like automatic negative thoughts to, you know, kind of take over your, your mind, your actions and allowing yourself to really uh, decide to think differently, even though that they might just be thoughts popping in your mind. Absolutely. And, and choosing to focus on that instead of the opposite or, or instead of the other, like, and that's a choice, like, and, and that's, that's a mental skill, right? That's something you practice, sure. you practice on. Can I take my focus from this and focus on that? even in the heat of the moment. And, and absolutely, couldn't agree more. Awesome. So one of the other things you talked about on your Mental Sweat Mondays is how comparison is fatal to performance. So talk, us, talk to us a little bit about like your perception of that and, and how you see people, even in the pros, compare themselves to others. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it just comes down to almost wasted energy, right? If you are too busy worried about what he's doing or what she's doing or how much better he's getting or how much faster she's going or quicker she's losing weight or he's making money, whatever it is, you know, it's taking time away from you and figuring out what you are doing and what you need to do. It's wasted energy on other things. And that thought actually came to me when I first started training for my half marathon and immediately, literally, I, I literally like two runs and then I started looking up everything and anything about anyone who's ever run a half marathon. And I'm like, well, what is she finishing? Well, what shoes is he wearing? Well, what race should I run? Like, and I was like, what am I doing and why? Like, I have never run a half marathon. You know, I ran track in high school, short, mostly short distance and sprint work, obviously with basketball and softball. But I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm talking like an hour, maybe even two hours of like trying to figure out what they did and when they finished and what, what I should be doing. And it was just like unbelievable. And I couldn't believe how fast I fell into that trap. And I was like, you know what, how often are we as people comparing ourselves to others? And it's constantly in, in a, in the social media day and age of, well, how does she have that job and have kids, you know, or how does, how does he do that? How do I get that job? You know, I get messages all the time. How did you get your job? Sure. It's, it's not, it's not about that. It's what are you doing every day on a daily basis to make yourself the best version of yourself? And, and I love going back, talking about Ken Revisit, you know, I, know. I, was, I was sitting in one of his talks in ASP at our annual conference one year and, and all, you know, all these students are so eager to hear what he's going to say because everybody wants to be just like Ken Revisit. And I remember he said, you want to be like me? And he goes, you can't, you haven't failed enough. And I just loved that because it's like, we all did want to be like him, you know, and we do want to be like him still. And it's, it's like, you're never, it's like, stop doing that and just keep focusing on what you're good at and, and learn from the people around you, but don't give them so much energy that you're literally taking energy away from your own progress and your own forward movement. And that's absolutely what I was doing when I was training for the marathon. So that's where that thought came in. But I mean, you think about it, we're all constantly comparing ourselves to others and that's truly just wasted energy. Absolutely. And I like what Ken Revisa said. I probably was in that audience too. because yeah. Well, I would never miss, you know, hearing Ken speak. For sure. One of the things I really like what you said about you haven't failed enough. You can't be me. Mm -hmm. So what's your perspective on failure or setbacks and what are, what are the best, most mentally tough ways that you've seen? Maybe you can give us an example of somebody you've worked with in terms of, you know, when they have failed, how have they rebounded and what are the ways that they move forward after the mistake or failure? Yeah. So I am a really big fan of turning failure of shifting the perspective on failure into a challenge. 
So like really dissecting, like, why did you fail in this moment? What happened? What, what did you feel physically? What did you feel mentally, emotionally? What did it happen before it? Like, were you, were you already behind before you got into it? Um, but it's really figuring out what that failure is and then viewing it as a challenge. Okay. So how can we do the same thing, but be successful next time? Um, and not fail and what adjustments do we need to make um, and just like reframing this idea of what failure is you know and, and kind of going back to my failure story of you know I hate to even call it a failure but it's okay to admit that it is a failure but maybe not viewing it as a negative light right we have to fail to grow and, and most people know that like if I'm going to be pushing myself if I'm going to be growing I'm going to be failing because I'm I'm pushing my body I'm pushing my mind I'm pushing my emotions to as far as I can possibly get them and that's sometimes going to get me a little out of control or a little out of pace and, and potentially fail. But did I get closer to my goal? Was I focusing on the, the process instead of just the outcome? Like, okay, the outcome is failure, but what did we do right? What do we need to fix for the next time? And view it as a challenge. Like, okay, let's put our, let's put our grind hats on. Let's bite down, have some grit and figure out what exactly do we need to do to get through this and to achieve it or make, maybe it's a small adjustment and we're over exaggerating it. Maybe it's a big adjustment and we're under exaggerating it. You know, that it kind of goes back to that awareness. Why did we fail? What went wrong, but also what went well, what do we need to keep doing and what do we need to alter a little bit, but view it as a challenge. Like, okay, cool. We failed. That means we're growing. We're getting better. Let's make sure we actually grow from it instead of, not grow from it, you know, and move in the right direction, which is to me viewing it as a challenge. Okay, let's get this. Let's see how we can get better instead of I failed. I'm never going to be able to do it and, and almost falling backwards and moving further away from our goals. Absolutely. So the way that you really see that failure is key. And I like that just the idea of seeing it as a challenge, right? It's something yeah. that you can really learn and grow from. Um, and if you're right, it's easy to say that we all know that, but it's really more difficult to practice. <laughs> so that's where the mental toughness comes in. Absolutely. So Hannah, tell us again where we can find you and follow your Mental Sweat Mondays and how we can contact you if we're interested. Yeah. So the fastest way is probably through Instagram, which is just my first and last name. It's just Hannah Huseman. And then I'm also on LinkedIn and you can feel free to message me there, or ask any questions or, or feel free to give me a request that I could potentially turn into a mental sweat Monday. That would be awesome. Ah, I love it. Love it. That's yeah. great. And then you can reach out to me. I'm on Instagram too at Sindra Campoff. And I spend a lot of time on Twitter. Hannah, that's kind of where I, I'm spending my time, but I'm at mentally underscore strong. So um, as we finish up, Hannah, is there any um, advice or, you know, final thoughts that you have to share with people? I would just say, remember that mental skills should be practiced just like physical skills and that we have to have constant reminders daily to make sure we're checking in on ourselves and how we're doing, not just physically, but mentally too. And that could potentially be the key to your success and that maybe it's not always trying harder physically, but maybe it's just being aware of what's going on mentally. I love it. Awesome. Well, here's some of the things I got from the interview today, Hannah. Four things I want to summarize as a way to wrap up the, the interview, but also to remind people of the great things and the wise things that you said today. So um, number one, I thought it was great that you were talking about your own confidence um, and how, you know, even in college, you were seeking the confidence from other people, but just the idea that confidence is really up to us. And we need to be our own biggest critic, but our own biggest fan. And I think the biggest fan might be the thing that most people struggle with, right? Like really 
building themselves up. So I appreciate you talked about that and just the specific examples of like that you're even telling yourself you deserve to be here. You can do it. You belong here. I thought that was really powerful. Second, I thought a powerful thing we talked about was being proactive with your mental skills, sort of like being a, going to a dentist, right? You go there to make sure that there's no issues later on with your teeth. So yeah. This kind of thing is like being proactive with these mental skills. And some examples you gave us were like breathing and visualization. And I love what we, that we talked about mental toughness and just the idea of like focusing on the right thing at the right time. I thought that was really powerful because I think um, people could really understand it really simply and hopefully people were listening and thinking about themselves as they were listening. And then the last one is just about how you can really view failure as a challenge, that it doesn't always have to be something that you're frustrated about or you beat yourself up about. So I'm so grateful that you were on the podcast today sharing your wisdom and thank you so much again uh, for being here. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Sindra. I really had a good time. Thank you for listening to High Performance Mindset. If you like today's podcast, make a comment, share it with a friend, and join the conversation on Twitter at mentally underscore strong. For more inspiration and to receive Sindra's free weekly videos, check out drsindra.com.